Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. This one, I'm going to be answering a question that I got from Sean. He asked me to answer this over on Cora. So the question is this, what's considered an expensive hourly rate for a freelance web designer slash front-end web developer? I've seen designers charging upwards of $360 an hour, while I've also seen designers charging downward of $20 an hour. So that's his question. I want to dive into that. And I'm going to talk about, first off, I'm going to talk a little bit about the data and the numbers that I've, I've looked up using uh, Upwork, which is a really good tool for evaluating this sort of thing, since it's the largest freelancing site on the planet and can give us some good numbers. So we're going to talk about the hard numbers uh, and what tends to be where you get into the more expensive range. We're also going to talk about the difference between the people who charge those high, high rates versus people who charge the low, low rates. The difference sort of in the thinking and the approach and how you can move from being sort of that 20-hour developer, designer into that, maybe not the 360, but up into the 100, 150 sort of range developer. And then we're going to talk about how to figure, actually how to figure out what your rate should be based on several different factors that go into it. So, we're going to get into all of that in this episode. Of course, before I do, as always, I want to encourage you to head on over to store.johnmorrisonline.com and help support the show. Help me continue to be able to do this podcast for you on a daily basis. Uh, it's something I really enjoy doing, and I think a lot of people get a ton of benefit out of it. So I'd really appreciate you doing that. But also, of course, you're going to get the coding training you need, learning for example, my Upwork 101 course, will actually, which will actually show you how to go on Upwork, especially if you're new and don't have a big portfolio or a, a big uh, job history and a bunch of testimonials that you can put over there. It'll show you how to actually go on Upwork and be able to get success right from the start, which is one of the things that I think a lot of people who are either new to web development or new to Upwork really, really struggle with. And so I'm going to show you how, sort of break down how the whole system works and show you how to build your profile so that you can rank over on Upwork and, and actually have a compelling profile that will get people to hire you. So stuff like that, also my PHP courses and all that sort of thing are over there as well. Again, that's store.johnmorrisonline.com. You can use the coupon code JMO at checkout for 20% off anything in the store. Plus Udemy links, Skillshare links, if you want to take the courses on those sites, those are over there as well. All right, so with that out of the way, let's go ahead and first dive into these numbers. So I really, you, if you guys have listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know I really heavily use the filters over on Upwork when, when doing searches, which is something I highly recommend that you do. But for this particular search, because I wanted to try and find what would be considered expensive so we wanted to look sort of towards the top end the filters i ran are freelancers who have earned 10k plus their job success score is 90 percent plus their rate is above 60 an hour uh, they're independent not agencies a thousand hours uh, build or more and they've been active within the last two months so this should give us a good idea of freelancers in design development that are in sort of that that top end and, and then we can look at their hourly late rates and what they're charging now I didn't click through every page but I clicked through probably the first 10 or so and in my particular search the highest one that I saw was $125 an hour and I would say in just my own experience sort of my anecdotal 
sort of experience of this industry for the last 12 or so years that 125 to 150 dollars an hour would be sort of where you start to get to the point where it might be considered expensive so that fits really in line with with what i was thinking and just for some context of the pages that i went through there was one that was 125 there was another that was 100 and I would say if I had to guess the average or the median where most of them sort of tended to fall would probably be in the 60 to $80 range. And I would say even you could, if you want to get more specific, roughly around $70 an hour is where a lot of the the profiles tended to fall. And again, in my own experience working with clients and so forth, that that sort of that that fits with with what I've experienced. Now, the other one thing to keep in mind, sort of the caveat to when you're looking at Upwork numbers is that Upwork is hyper-competitive. And again, it's the largest freelancing site on the planet. There's tons of freelancers on there, so and they're all fighting for the same jobs. So it's it's really competitive, and because of that, that tends to push these rates down a little bit. My guess is the people that are on Upwork who also have their own sites well, that, where they sell their services... I would guess that their rates on their own sites, not everybody, but I would say that generally speaking, that their rates on their own site would tend to be $20 to $30 more per hour. And, and the simple reason that it is, is they just, when you're on Upwork, you just have to compete with what's there. And so uh, that I, I would say that these numbers are probably a little bit lower than they generally would for, be from your own site or other boards, etc. So keep that in mind. But as I said, beyond 120 to 150 dollars an hour is probably considered expensive for an hourly rate. Now, when you talk about people who are making 360 dollars an hour, as you said, you've seen that. My guess is, you know, maybe that is truly an hourly rate that you've seen, and I certainly, I mean, people obviously can could do that, and and I'm sure there's people out there that get hired at that. But most of the time when you start to get into those numbers, what you're really looking at is someone who is doing a, a more project-based fee. So, And, and project-based pricing is always, almost always better for you as the developer and really even the client because it's a lot more straightforward and they know what they're getting into. Uh, the, the, the easy sort of example that I have, which you may have heard this story before, but was when I... I did a site for Michael Hyatt, who is a really known, well-known blogger and you know, best-selling author and so forth. So I had built a membership site for him several years ago. After that happened, you know, people can look at his site and they can. There's tools that let them figure out uh, what theme he was running and who built the theme. Well, I, that was me. It was my name on it. So after that, I started getting contacted by people who were members of his site or knew about him or whatever, and they wanted a site similar to his. They basically wanted a clone of his site. They just wanted the the colors changed, maybe the layout slightly different, and the, obviously the logo and so forth, but they wanted a site that was really, really similar to what he was doing. And so I started charging $3,000 for these clone sites on a, a project-based, on a project basis. Well... Those sites only took me maybe four to five hours to build because I had already built the theme. I had all the code, 
All I really had to do is change some colors, change some images, change the logo, maybe some icons, etc. So it was really, really easy. And this was a these were WordPress sites, so it was really, really easy for me to to build these sites for them. And so if you look at that rate, I mean, I was making what six hundred to seven hundred fifty dollars an hour building those sites, but it was because it was on a project basis. So again, a project basis like that always almost always works out better for you as the developer if you price accordingly and appropriately and sort of have an idea of how long it's going to take you and so forth. So I would I would guess that when you're looking at $360 an hour as an hourly rate, that's probably more in a project-based sort of context is where that's coming from. Maybe not, but most of the time when you get up into that that area, that's what it's going to be. So that sort of, I think, answers the first question, what's considered an expensive hourly, hourly rate and how do you get that high? The other sort of question here is, you know, I've seen designers charging upwards upwards of $360 an hour, while I've also seen designers charging downwards of $20 an hour. There sort of seems to be an implied question of what's the difference between the two, and then overall the implied question of how do I figure out what I'm supposed to charge. So I want to go ahead and answer those questions just to sort of give this the full treatment. So when we talk about what's the difference between someone charging $360 an hour or $125 or $150, whatever it is, versus someone charging $20 an hour, this is something I've talked quite a bit about. And it is the difference between people who play the quality game versus the numbers game on freelancing sites or with, with their business and so forth. So someone who's charging... $20 an hour, sometimes even less than that, oftentimes what they're doing when when they look at, say, Upwork, for example, they think of it as a numbers game, and they're going to go out and apply apply to as many projects as they can. They're going to do it as quickly as they can, and they're going to copy and paste their proposals to those people, and they're just... If I if I apply to a hundred jobs, you know, maybe I'll get one, and, and that's that's how I'm going to get my business and so forth. And you can do that, but the reality is is that when you do that, first off, you clients know when you're copying and pasting, right? They they can pretty much tell because of how many times they've seen it before on sites like this. And so you really start off on a, a, a bad foot with your clients. And oftentimes what happens is on their projects, basically everybody that applied is copying and pasting. And so now they're choosing among a number of bad options. And so what they focus on, because they don't tend to see anybody with really high quality in front of them, because everybody can copy and paste their proposals, what they tend to do is focus on price. And so that's going to get them to push to for you to charge less, because they don't really trust that, that you're going to go do a good job for them because they've already had signs point they already have signs that that maybe you're cutting corners. And so again, a lot of times people just play this sort of numbers game and they will get hired for you know maybe one out of every hundred or so like that, but that becomes a really sort of daunting thing and they're not making a bunch of money and so forth. And so what I always suggest to people is to play more of a quality game. This is why I talk about how you search for jobs on Upwork and the filters that I mentioned before. How you go about doing that, finding the best jobs, the ones that are most ideal for you. And then bidding, when you bid on those, actually reading through them and replying to them and the way you talk to your clients and all that, all that sort of stuff. It's getting you to play 
a quality game. And when you start playing a quality game, that's when you can start getting into those higher levels uh, of charging into the 70s, the 80s, the 100s, the 125s, and so forth. So, you know, again, when we talk about the difference between the 360 and the 20, that's one sort of, of part of that. And I think one of the bigger things is understanding that it's not a numbers game that if you want to play a numbers game, then you're going to get a numbers game, and that numbers game is going to be towards the $20 an hour end. If you want to play a quality game, it does take a little more work, but in terms of you know getting the clients and responding to them and actually reading their job and all that sort of stuff, but when you actually get the work, you're going to get paid closer to what you want, closer to what you deserve, uh, and you're going to be a lot happier. So... With that said, then there's sort of three last things that I want to cover, which is, or I want to cover how to go about figuring out what your rate should be. And there's three sort of parts to this. So the first thing that you have to look at and determine is what the market rate is. So this is what others in the market are charging, or or you could say it, what the market will bear. And there, there really is sort of a, a dynamic with any market of of what people are willing to pay for a particular level of service. Now, I talked about this yesterday where you have always have layers. You're going to have newer people to a market who aren't willing to pay as much, and you're always going to have a high-end premium end that's always willing to pay more. But most of your, your potential clients are probably going to be in that middle experienced range where they sort of have an idea of what the market rate should be of what most people in the market are charging because they've done their research, they've looked it up. And so you have to figure out, it's it's not, when we're talking about market rate, you, you got to let go of all the stuff of what I deserve, what I think it should be, all this sort of thing. You have to figure out in what the potential client in their mind is thinking the number roughly is just so you know what they're thinking because once you know what they're thinking then you can use that to be able to you know either charge what they're they're thinking and be right in line with what they're after so it's an easy sort of uh, sale for them or if you're going to charge more understanding that you have to do things and, and tell them and sell them on things that are important that are going to justify you charging more so you always have to figure out the market rate first. Now, what a lot of people do, and I, you know, there were people that answered this core question over on Quora. And again, I don't want to rag on them or anything too much, but they did tend to do what I'm about to talk about. But what a lot of people do is they just focus on your experience level. And experience level is part of the equation, but it's not the only thing that goes into it. So there are sort of three other big factors that I think you should think about beyond just what your skill level is and what you're able to deliver. The first is supply and demand. So a good example of this, again, going back is going back to my Michael Hyatt story. As I said, after I built that site, I had people coming to me asking me to build them similar sites. Well, I would say the demand for that was in the moderate level. I got a decent number of people who who asked for that, but it wasn't like you know, there were thousands of people suddenly emailing me, but the supply for it was really, really low because I was the only one. I was the only person in the world who had built that site and knew all the ins and outs of that theme and could actually, and had the actual code that I could deliver to them. So 
with the demand at a moderate level and the supply at a really, really low level, that changes sort of the, the, the rate dynamic that leads to it being something that's more rare. And generally speaking, things that are more rare are going to cost more. So that's why I was able to get up to the point of charging 600 to $750 an hour through a project base fee because of the supply and demand dynamics. So what that means for you is you want to, you want to look at, analyze your market and look maybe for little areas or little niches where there's a decent amount of demand, but there's not a lot of supply. And if you can find those sort of areas, those can be higher, higher paying areas that you could sort of get into where you're making that more, you're making more money, not necessarily because you're just dramatically more skilled than every other developer out there, but you're making more money because you're doing something that not a lot of people are doing. So that's one factor. Another one is service experience. So whenever I think of this, I think of the fact that I I get my haircut at Sport Clips. And if I go to Sport Clips, it's about $5 more per haircut for me to go there. But the reason I go to Sport Clips isn't because it's the lowest price. It's because if you've ever been there, you know, you go in there for a guy who's, you know, sort of, I would say your typical male into sports and this, that, the other. You go in there and they have TVs playing sports and the the people that work there, it's not so awkward. Like they, they kind of understand that it's going to be, they, they market their, uh, the, their company to more males and they understand the, the kind of clientele that they're going to have. And it's not as weird as when like I go to sort of a more regular salon that tend, those tend to be more oriented towards women, I would say. And it just, it just feels a little bit different and weird. So it's just a better experience for me when I go to sport clips and I'm willing to pay the extra money for that. So there's clients in every market out there that you could think of that are willing to, to, to do the same, willing to pay a little bit more for a little bit better service experience. So that's another factor that can help you to sort of raise your prices when it comes to what you charge. The last one then is an interesting one to me, and I would call this notoriety or slash celebrity. And I think the perfect example of this is sort of the the family that everybody loves to hate, the Kardashians. But if you look at it, you know, Kim Kardashian gets paid a boatload of money to show up at different shops or businesses or nightclubs or whatever because the owners of those nightclubs know or those businesses know that when she shows up, she's going to bring a ton of paparazzi with her. It's going to be in the news. And when all that stuff is getting reported, it's their business that it's going to be in sort of the background and being talked about and so forth. And so she makes money basically purely based on her celebrity. So if someone can make their entire living based solely off their celebrity and has never really <laughs> done anything, right? They're not she's not an athlete, she's not like a singer. She sort of is just famous, right? She's famous for being famous. If someone could do that, then you can also maybe uh be able to charge a little bit more for your services based off notoriety or celebrity. So that's another factor. So when we look at all of this, the the sort of the steps to, to, to use all of this is the first thing that you want to figure out is figure out the market rate sort of range for what you offer. You don't have to necessarily have a 
set hard number, but you know, sixty to eighty dollars an hour, seventy to ninety dollars an hour. Just do the research. Look at what other people are doing and make sure you're doing it in the same context in which you're going to be freelancing. So if you're going to be freelancing on Upwork, go on Upwork. If you're not, you could use Upwork as maybe a base sort of guide, but also look at other people who have websites who are doing what you do and what they charge and what they deliver in return for what they charge and just sort of figure out what people are expecting to get and what the the sort of range of, of pricing is for that. Once you sort of get that market rate, you can kind of set that as your rate to start. And then as you start working with clients and, and, and uh, actually sort of figuring out on your own what they want, what they expect, etc., look for ways that you can upgrade your service experience. Because when you upgrade your service experience, that also allows you to charge more for what you do. So let's just say you're building websites for people, for example. And, you know, in your, your market, people just build the websites. There's no sort of SEO or marketing or copywriting or, or landing page optimization or any of that sort of thing. They just build the websites for people. Well, maybe you figure out that a lot of your clients really are concerned about SEO. It keeps coming up. Well, maybe you can add SEO as something to your package. And now you charge more for either your hourly rate or for your project-based fee and you include those SEO services. So again, upgrading your service experience will also allow you to charge more. So you wanna look for those opportunities. And then finally, if you want, I know a lot of people don't necessarily wanna do this, but you can also look for ways that you can do things that will help you gain notoriety. So you could work on a really high profile uh, open source project, right? And maybe get your name among a list of contributors, or maybe at some point become a core contributor, or maybe you can make your own sort of open source project that becomes really popular and you gain notoriety that way. Or oh, maybe maybe you start a YouTube channel or a podcast and become really big on YouTube and you gain notoriety that way. All those things will allow you to uh, up your notoriety, up your celebrity, and as a result, help you to be able to charge more because people at that point, they're not just looking for a web developer, they're looking for you. They only want to hire you because it was your YouTube videos they watched or it was your, you know, jQuery plugin that they used for one of their projects and now they really want to hire you to go to build something, you know, real big or whatever. So you can there are ways that you can sort of gain notoriety and celebrity and as a result be able to charge more. So that's sort of the market rate and looking at the market dynamics and how you can use that to to be able to charge more. The second sort of part of this is what I would call your personal rate. So this is what you are yourself willing to accept. And this is about what you need to make in order to achieve your goals and live the life that you want to live. Because ultimately, that's sort of the point, right? You you don't want to get into a situation where you're doing this and because of what you're charging and what you're having to do for what you charge, etc., it makes you miserable, because the, a lot of the reasons why we move into freelancing, we leave jobs, we, we get out of that stuff is because we didn't feel like we were getting deserve, what we deserved. And, you know, we, we, we got frustrated with it. And so we want to move into something where we have more control. Well, make sure that you're using that control properly and not setting yourself up uh, to, to just be miserable again. So there's a couple of things that I look at with all of this. 
the first one is the first sort of factor is what I would say is what you deserve, right? And so you just need to look at the market rate that you figured out and you need to really be honest with yourself and do the math on how, you know, what are your income goals for the month? How many hours would you have to work at that market rate in order to be able to make what you want to make on a monthly basis? Is that number of hours going to be just a way over the top and make you miserable and all this sort of thing? You, you have to look at all of that and make sure that you feel like you're getting what you deserve. Otherwise, again, if you just constantly feel cheated on every project you do, Every project you do is going to incrementally make you more miserable. And, and that just, it doesn't make any sense to do that. The other thing I, I kind of alluded to is the time money balance. I, I've experienced this personally a few years ago. Uh, I got to the end of the year and sort of the Christmas break and I was burnt out. And I went into January and I basically fired all of my clients but one. I had uh, five or six clients at the time, I would say. And I just sent them all an email and said, I'm done. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. You know, I, I sort of was, there wasn't a lot of ongoing projects at that particular time because it was the end of the year and Christmas and all that sort of thing. So it was a good time for me to do it, but I got really, really burnt out and I just told them all I was done and it can absolutely happen. It's happened to me. And so you really have to be careful about the time money balance. How many hours are you having to work to make the money that you want to make? You want to make sure your hourly rate is not so low that it's setting you up to be burnt out. So you're going to have to work a ton of hours to make the money you want to make. The final one here then is I think it's important that you know your bottom line. What's the minimum that you have to make? So sit down, go through your expenses, and figure out, what is the minimum I have to make to be able to pay all of my bills, have the money I need to be able to gr buy groceries and food and all that sort of thing? And then based on different hourly rates that I could charge, how many hours would I have to work and what hours am I comfortable with, etc. So that you know sort of what your bottom line is. And that way when you're dealing with clients who want to try and you know get you to charge less or whatever, you you have some... You have some stuff behind why you're charging what you charge, meaning if they're trying to get you to charge less and you know if 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 you accept that that you're not going to be able to pay your bills this month or you're not going to be able to to put you know be able to buy food for for your family your kids or maybe just yourself or you're not going to be able to do the saving you want to do in order to uh be able to buy Christmas presents at the end of the year save up for the car the house that you want et cetera right? It's easy for you to tell them, sorry, no, I'm not going to do that because you you are asking me to give up on the things that I want in life. It's not just a few bucks an hour. It's the money I need to be able to put food on the table for my kids, to be able to buy Christmas presents at the end of the year, to be able to get the car I want, or to be able to uh, get a house for my family, etc. Like there's something real behind that. And it gives you some, it gives you some, <laughs> some, you know, something to be able to say no with, with some emphasis and some some conviction uh, on your part, because they're asking you not to just charge a little bit less. They're asking you to give up on ultimately the things that you want out of life. Well, that becomes a lot easier. No. So know your bottom line when it comes to this. And so with those two things, what you want to do is you want to figure out the market rate. You want to sort of look at that and analyze it and kind of figure out where you land in terms of your personal rate. And that will help you to identify sort of a solid 
number that you've got data behind, you've got sort of your life and an understanding of the context of, of how it fits into everything that you do. You've got a really solid number that you are going to have some conviction about, and you're not going to waver on when a client asks you to charge less because you've done all the research, you've done all the thinking, you know what you should be charging or what you want to be charging. And when people, you know, people question it, you say, sorry, that's what I'm charging. And I can tell you, I, I did this. I finally one year sat down and actually went through all of this. And it really does give you that conviction when someone tries to, to question your prices or whatever. Like, it's really easy to say, well, just don't hire me because I'm not going to do it for less. So sorry. And you really get to that point when you do all this. So I strongly encourage you to go through that. The last uh, sort of rate that I want to talk about then is what I call the FU rate. (laughs) And so this is a rate that you have for specific situations where you don't want to get hired for a job. Now, you might think that's silly, but it actually does and will happen probably to you at some time in your career. My example is for when I uh, quit Upwork. So I was quitting Upwork, but I sort of wanted to leave it open for just in case anything interesting came along. And because of the number I set, if someone actually still wanted to hire me, it would be something sort of worth considering. So I wanted to sort of leave the, a little crack in the door, but I wanted to scare away most clients. And so I put my rate on Upwork at $500 an hour which, I mean, that's just sort of silly for for anything uh, over on Upwork. And it did. It cut down a lot of people inviting me to jobs. And if you know how Upwork works, if someone invites you and you turn it down, then it becomes this sort of availability rating and it can cause your profile to get ranked lower. Like they have this whole way that they handle that. So I, I didn't, I wanted I didn't want people to invite me to their projects. And if I, I knew if I put a really high hourly rate, they wouldn't. Now, I know I could have just turned off my profile and all that. But I, like I said, I wanted to keep sort of a crack in the door for anything interesting that came along. Interesting and the, interestingly enough, I still got uh, contacted by people. And there were actually a few jobs uh, that I did do as a result of that. Now, I didn't do them at the $500 hourly rate. And I'll tell you why. It, when you do this, what it does is it, it does two things. A, it does what you want. It scares away the right people, people that are just looking for the lowest price and this, that, the other. They're, even people that are just looking for a, a decent, like normal, regular price, it scares away all those people. And the only people that are really going to contact you when you put up an FU rate like this are people that probably have seen something you've done before or know you and or got recommended to you and they really really want to hire just you those are the absolute best clients that's the cream of the crop people who know you or have heard about you and they only want to hire you those are the people that when you put up five hundred dollars an hour are still going to contact you and go are you really charging five hundred dollars an hour And, and so Uh, Again, it does that and it gets those people to switch to a project-based fee mindset. When you put up $500 an hour, they're like, I don't know if I can pay that. What about doing it sort of on a project-based? And that's ultimately sort of kind of what I wanted from the whole thing was I wanted interesting projects that were going to be on a project basis and they were only going to be the very specific kinds of sites 
that I was after, which I had, I had set on my, my Upwork profile for a long time. I only work on these kind of sites. But when you're charging $50 an hour, you'll just get people that will just invite you. They won't even – they'll just invite you regardless. When you put up 500 and you say I only work on these type of sites, then people really pay attention to that. So it sort of just puts people in a really, really – uh, beneficial mindset for you as the developer. Now you can only do that if you already have you know, work coming from somewhere else and you're not expecting to get a ton of work from uh, that particular place where you put up this price, etc. Because you're not, I mean, it's not like I had people beating down my door to, to, to hire me at $500 an hour, but it does the right things to get people to scare away the right people and get only the people that really want to hire you and to get them thinking on a project basis, which ultimately you'll probably make more money and be happier, etc. So, uh, that rate to figure out that rate, what I do is just three to four times what your normal rate is. So if you're charging a hundred dollars an hour, then, you know, it's three to $400 an hour for me. I was charging 125 at the time. So I did four times, it was $500 an hour. So when you when you figure out your market rate, when you figure out based off the market dynamics and your personal sort of dynamics, what your, what your rate is, triple that and also have your FU rate and understand when to use it, how it affects everything. And there are certain situations that you'll come across where that'll be, you'll want to use that rate. Or if you get someone who contacts you and they're, they're being sort of a D-bag and you really don't want to work with them, but you have the feeling if you tell them no that they're going to fly off the handle because oddly enough, clients do that, which is weird. I've had plenty of clients who just got upset at me because I said, oh, sorry, you know, I'm not taking clients right now and they just fly off the handle. Anyway, you can tell them, sure, and my rate is, and you give them your FU rate, and then and then they're the, they're the a-hole for questioning your your rate at that point and it becomes a little bit easier to deal with so that's sort of the my whole outlook on the hourly rate thing now of course if you really want to dive into mastering upwork specifically and learning how to create a profile that will attract these kinds of high paying easy to work with clients then i want to invite you to check out my upwork 101 course at upwork101.com now the real big secret about sort of this course is i i talk I go into depth of this idea of relevance over rank, which is something that a lot of people, especially when they first start on Upwork, don't really think about and don't really understand how Upwork's system and its algorithms work. Because at the end of the day, Upwork is really mostly a search engine. You know, it, it Clients will go, they can post their jobs and you can find them, but you have to search for them. But clients find you also by searching and that's how they invite you to jobs. And so just like any sort of search engines rank is one factor how 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 good of a developer you are your job success score your job history and so forth but it's not just the best developers for every project it's the b best developers for that particular project so there's an element of relevance there and it often gets overlooked and so i dive into that and how you can use that when you first get started on upwork to allow you to outrank people who may have an, a higher actual rank based off job success score and job history than you, but maybe aren't as relevant to a particular project as you are and allow you to show up higher than you might normally uh, based off of your job history and so forth. And that way you can start getting work right from the start. And by the way, when you do this, the way that I show you, not only do you rank higher 
than you probably normally would. But also you, you appear more appealing to clients at the same time. Because you're positioning yourself as a specialist, you automatically are more believable and seem like a better fit for their particular project. So if you build your profile in this way, it can really help you to get uh, started quickly on Upwork right from the beginning. And I've had, I don't know how many people that have done this, actually made this switch and have come to me and said, I made that switch and literally a day later, I was able to get hired for a job and and sort of the away they went. So again, if you really want to mas- dive into mastering Upwork and learning how to, to get jobs right from the start, then I want to encourage you to check out my Upwork 101 course at upwork101.com. So there you go. That'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, I'd appreciate if you'd share it with someone that you think could benefit from going through sort of all this data and figuring out their rate and so forth. I would really appreciate that. Also, if you want all the links to past episodes and the links for uh, subscribing on iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Android, all that sort of thing, you can find all that at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, if you'll leave me an honest review of the podcast over on iTunes, I will give you module one of my PHP 101 course for free. All the details on that are at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click on the start here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.